This is the Voice Podcast Network. Hey, Hoyas. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome back to Beyond the News. Hi, all. This is your co-host, Sahar. Thanks for tuning in to this episode, which focuses on a domestic issue. This week, we'll be discussing the removal of former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the election of Speaker Johnson as McCarthy's replacement. Kevin McCarthy is a Republican representative who served California's 20th district. First elected in 2007, McCarthy served as both whip and majority leader in the House before becoming elected as the 55th U.S. Speaker of the House. McCarthy's original election as Speaker was contentious. In January of 2023, it took 15 votes to reach a majority to elect Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. Several more conservative representatives voted present, to keep McCarthy from gaining the votes needed to win the seat. I think it's important to mention that the Democrats remained united to vote no to McCarthy's appointment. To eventually win the votes of members of his party that were on the far right, McCarthy had to make significant concessions. The concessions made to ultra-conservative representatives included instituting a lower threshold to remove the speaker. The far right representatives wanted this threshold lowered to hold McCarthy accountable and to be able to remove him if he didn't appeal to their ultra-conservative demands. Some of the other concessions were a promise to put more House Freedom Caucus members on the House Rules Committee and to keep the Congressional Leadership Fund out of primaries. On Tuesday, October 3rd of this year, Kevin McCarthy was ousted from his position as Speaker of the House. The effort to remove McCarthy came from Representative Matt Gates a far-right politician from Florida's 1st Congressional District. Gates, along with seven other Republican representatives who voted in favor of the ousting, was frustrated with McCarthy's partnership with Democrats to pass a budget to prevent a government shutdown. Historically, other speakers have stepped down after losing the support of their party, but McCarthy is now the first speaker to be ousted from the speakership. There is much uncertainty in this unprecedented situation. Because a speaker has never been abdicated mid-session, the procedures for electing a new speaker were slightly unclear. The rules of the 118th Congress are as follows. McCarthy had named a pro tempore speaker on a list submitted to the clerk of the House in January. A House clerk immediately announced that North Carolina Representative Patrick McHenry was the person named by McCarthy to serve as speaker pro tem. This temporary speaker could only preside over a vote for a new speaker. This means that no new legislation was voted on until the new speaker was chosen. On October 25th, Representative Mike Johnson from Louisiana was elected as speaker. Speaker Johnson was the Republican Party's fourth nominee for speaker in an election process that took nearly three weeks. Johnson hails from the far-right anti-institutionalist wing of the Republican Party. While not a member of the Freedom Caucus, Johnson is a staunch supporter of Donald Trump. Johnson has very little leadership experience within the institution. He is the least experienced speaker in the last 140 years. Johnson is anti-LGBTQ rights and defended Louisiana's same-sex marriage ban in the Supreme Court in 2004 and 2014. Johnson also has a history of supporting anti-abortion legislation. Johnson isn't just a traditional Republican, he's a right-wing Republican with extreme policy positions. For this episode, I will be interviewing Professor Michelle Swears, a professor of American government at Georgetown who specializes in Congress. 
Hello, I'm here with Professor Swers, and we are going to be talking about the election of a new speaker. Professor, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your work studying Congress? Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm Michelle Swers, and I'm a professor in the Department of Government, where I've been teaching about Congress for the last 21 years. Uh, and I also do research on Congress, largely about representation and women and whether it makes a difference policy-wise to elect women. And I look at partisan differences and party polarization issues uh, and other issues related to Congress, policymaking, and elections. Awesome. Um, so as we know, one of the concessions that McCarthy made to be elected speaker originally was a change in the method to remove a speaker. What did the process of removing a speaker look like before this rule change, and what does it look like now? So it, generally it has been that, it, that a, a per, one person can bring up one of these privileged motions to vacate the speakership, but it was... One of these things where you, where it exists, but people don't use it. And it's really the party polarization uh, that has made people more emboldened to use procedural rules in the way that they want. Although here it's an internal party dispute. So it was really Mark Meadows who first started looking at the motion to vacate as a tool to use against the leadership. And Mark Meadows at the time was uh, part of the, it was the chair of the Freedom Caucus, and he was trying to use it against John Boehner, and he uh, threatened to use it, and then Boehner decided to resign uh, before his, before the other Republicans would be forced to vote on something like that. In the last Congress, uh, Nancy Pelosi got the rule changed so that it would take a majority of the Democratic Caucus to uh, vote to, to vacate the Speaker. And obviously, that's how Kevin McCarthy would have liked to have kept it. But in the negotiations, as he went through the 15 votes to become the speaker, he was forced to agree to leave it at to, to put it back to any one person can do the motion to vacate. And so that's what happened. That's really interesting. Thank you. Um, in 2018, Speaker Paul Ryan was the first speaker in three decades to refrain from stepping down until he finished his full term. What are the common reasons why so many speakers choose to step down before finishing their term? And why do you think that McCarthy chose not to step down? Well, so I don't know. I don't think Nancy Pelosi stepped down as speaker exactly. The Democrats lost the majority. And so then she was the leader of the minority party. And then uh, when they got it back, she had to, you know, to fight for it. But she got the speakership back. Uh, for Paul Ryan, well, a lot of this is internal to the Republican caucus, and lately they've been fighting a lot over the, the budget. And so what happened with John Boehner is very similar to what was going on with McCarthy, is that you had conservative Republicans who were unhappy that their speaker was making deals with Democrats to keep the government open, because you have to pass a budget to keep the government open, so to avoid a government shutdown. And that's what John Boehner was, was essentially doing. And he'd done some other things where he'd pass bills with Democratic votes. And when you're the speaker, you're supposed to try and pass bills with just a majority of the majority. That's sort of the, the standard. And so since he wasn't doing that, uh, particularly on these important budget votes, 
you had an element of the Freedom Caucus and conservatives in Congress that decided that they, you know, wanted to push back against that. And then he ultimately decided, well, I need to keep the government open. So I'll make that deal. And then I'll just resign. And I'll I'll go and make this deal so that it basically uh, cleared the way for Paul Ryan. So he didn't have to make the deal to keep the government open that would have kept the made the conservatives unhappy. So since he never had to deal with that, really, you know, he was able to stay in the speakership. Uh, but then in 2018, Republicans lost the majority and he had already announced his intention to retire because in the House, it's not fun to be in the minority party. The minority party doesn't really uh, have any rights really to speak of. Uh, and so and and so he stepped down. But uh, I don't know that it was anything particular about him as more as it was particular to the circumstances of the time. And you have to also look at the size of the majority party, too. And what's going on in the House now is that the reason that you could have one person be so powerful is because they only have a five seat majority. And so if they had a 15 or 20 seat majority, you know, none of those eight people that decided to vote for the motion to vacate would have been particularly important. That makes a lot of sense. Do you have any indication as to why Speaker McCarthy chose not to step down? Do you think that he knew that his position was threatened? Um, and why did he choose to stick it out and wait to be removed? Well, it took 15 votes for him to get the speakership in the first place. So uh, I think that he probably thought that uh, they would be able to vote to table the motion. So if they had tabled the motion to vacate, right, then they wouldn't have had the actual vote uh, to actually vacate the chair. But that didn't work. And uh, there were some people that thought maybe Democrats would decide to rescue him because he would be better than, you know, somebody else that they would put in. But in reality, the minority party does not help the majority party in these kinds of circumstances. Uh, and there was also no love lost because McCarthy, since he has to represent the majority, you know, he had done and said a lot of things blaming Democrats that they weren't feeling very positively about. So they didn't really feel like they needed to lend a hand and they would just uh, sit back and you know, watch the Republicans fight amongst themselves. Right. Um, and so then we know that the Republicans were, or at least those who voted McCarthy out, were looking for someone who was more conservative and more on the far right side of the Republican Party. But why do you think that it took as long as it did, nearly three weeks, I believe, for the Republican Party to agree on the candidate for a new speaker and elect that person? Right. So Matt Gates, who's the one who offered the motion to vacate, right? He said that now they've got MAGA Mike Johnson. And so therefore it was clear that, you know, you know, what he did worked and the caucus is moving to the right. So generally the leader is going to be somebody that's acceptable to the whole caucus and in the center of the of the caucus. Uh, it took so long because there's, you know, it's sort of unprecedented to, ha to have this happen. And so then people have to come up and decide, okay, I'm going to run for the, you know, the speakership and they have to have the, you know, their allies align and they have to do a whipping operation and try to whip for the votes. And since the people were in different factions and different factions were upset with different parts of the leadership, the, you know, the person that would normally be next in line, which was Steve Scalise, 
he did win the majority in the caucus meeting, but he wasn't going to get to 218 on the floor. So basically what kept happening was these people that do have a history in leadership, you have a history of making allies and you have a history of making enemies. And so if you if the margin is so tight that you can only afford to lose four people or so, uh, it's really hard to get to that 218. So Scalise didn't have the support. And then, you know, there were people in McCarthy's camp that didn't feel Scalise had supported him enough. And so, you know, you had different factions that were kind of fighting. Uh, and he was running against Jim Jordan, who didn't come any closer uh, because he also has plenty of of enemies, more on the establishment side, because uh, up to this point, he'd been involved in things like uh, shutting down the government in the past. You know, he rarely, if ever, voted for funding bills and debt ceiling increases and the kinds of things that you're going to need to do. Uh, as the speaker, he sort of made his name as the the outsider fighting against the establishment. So when you're going to become the establishment, it wasn't clear that uh, he could do those sorts of of deals, since that's not really what he's he's more known for the fighting side and uh, the fighting aspect. And there were a lot of uh, members who felt that allies of Jim Jordan were trying to bully them into voting for him. And some even got death threats like Marionette Miller Meeks from Iowa. So that's pretty scary. Uh, and so it became clear that he wouldn't have the support either. So then they went to Tom Emmer and he is, you know, further down on the leadership ladder in the whips position, but he had issues with Donald Trump. So uh, he's not seen as supportive enough of Donald Trump. He voted to certify the 2020 election, which a lot of other Republicans did not do. And so in the end, Donald Trump made some calls and said, well, if you're, you know, loyal to Donald Trump, you won't be voting for Tom Emmer. And so, you know, within four hours, he was already withdrawing his name from the speakership. So Johnson was the vice chair, I think, of the caucus, which is pretty low down the totem pole of leadership. You don't generally jump from vice chair to the speakership, uh, but he's, and he's only been there since 2016. So he hasn't been there long enough to make a lot of enemies. Uh, so he didn't have the record of enemies that some of these others had. And he's, you know, considered a fairly congenial member and he's definitely conservative. And so uh, he was in temperament, nice enough and conservative enough. And then his policy record is very conservative that the different factions could see what they want. And they'd kind of been worn down already because as you said, it's been three weeks and they don't have a speaker and the next deadline uh, for government funding is November 17th. So that's coming up. So they just wanted to get this over with. So they voted unanimously for Mike Johnson among the Republicans. That's really interesting. And I definitely agree that I think because Johnson is newer to Congress and to the party, um, that helps a lot. I read on a Politico article that he is the least experienced member in the House to be elected a speaker in the last 140 years, which is kind of crazy. Um, I have one last question for you, and that would be if you have any predictions for what's to come in Johnson's speakership and what the likelihood is, at least to the extent of your predictions, that um, the removal process will be used again against more speakers, especially now with Johnson, since the Republicans still have such a slim majority. Do you think the removal process will become a more common thing? 
So I generally don't make predictions because, you know, you can never really predict what's happening with Congress. I did not have Mike Johnson as speaker on my bingo card. Right. So uh, it's it's definitely hard to say. Uh, I You know, once something's been used, like the motion to vacate, it's, it's certainly something that other people then see and then will threaten and perhaps try to emulate. And how effective it is really depends on what the size of the majority is. So the reason it's been so effective right now is because the majority is so small, so they need so few votes to be able to use it. Uh, I don't know if they'll do it again. Part of that depends on what kind of deals Mike Johnson is able to make and if that satisfies uh, the other Republicans in the caucus that he's tried to get what it is that they want and he's fought for their positions and that he's able to get bills to pass uh, with a majority of the majority. And then if he alienates enough people, uh, you know, maybe you'll you'll see them do that. But uh, in terms of Matt Gates, you know, part of it was was disagreements over fiscal policy and part of it was very personal to McCarthy. And people don't seem to have the same personal animus towards Mike Johnson. So maybe that will also uh, buy him some goodwill and hopefully, you know, he can run out the clock at least until uh, the end of the session. And then you have another election and you don't know who's going to be in the majority next time. Right. Well, thank you so much for your answers to the questions. I think this gave us a lot of insight into this unprecedented situation that we were just in. So it was great to have you. Right. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.